Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Well, welcome to church. Like I said, it's so great to have you with us here today. Welcome online. Uh, we are streaming our services on our, our home base page for those who can't be in the room. And so if you're joining us online, it's great to have you with us uh, today as well. Or if you are joining in, at some stage throughout the week, looking back on, on the, the Sunday that was. It's a good in. I can tell you, you're in for a good ride already. Uh, but we are in our Go Big series, right? And, and we started this a couple of weeks ago. And, and really, the, the idea of our Go Big series is in the middle of a moment in which maybe uh, we, we feel naturally that we kind of want to go small. Yeah, kind of we want to play it safe. We want to shrink back. Maybe we want to hibernate, see what happens. We want to maybe go against that, that predominant feeling and culture not that we don't want to play it safe, right? We always want to be safe. We, we value people. We want to look after people. But, but that we want to remind ourselves that God is still big. That in the midst of our uncertainty, that in, in the midst of, of maybe our fear and our anxiety, in the midst of not knowing necessarily, you know, what even next week is going to hold, that God is still a, a big God. That however the year might look, however Sundays might look, that the, the what might change, but that the who remains the same. And our heart position in this series is that we want to create space for God to move because God is a big God. And, and really what I want to do today is, is I, I want to address maybe the, the primary objection or the primary thought that jumps to mind is we're in this, this Go Big series in the middle of a global pandemic and, and everything else that, that's going on in this kind of current moment in time is I want to address the question, is big good? Does anyone remember the, those Mitre 10 mega ads and they got the guy and he's like, big is good. Does anyone remember that? Yeah. I thought about trying to see if we could get him into church, but that seemed like a bit of a, maybe next Sunday, right? We'll see what happens. But, but I wonder what, what, what comes to mind for you when you think not just big, not just going big, not just big God, right? Those are all, we're like, yeah, we can do that. But if you think big church, right? Big church, what comes to mind? Maybe you think of, uh, of, of big buildings, of, of bands, of, of big teams. Maybe you think of big community impact, of, of big salvations and making a big difference. Maybe you think of, of impersonal of cold, of, of consumerism. But whatever you think, and I'm, there's no judgment in what comes to mind when you think of big church, I want to suggest that it's probably pretty different to what the early church thought of when they thought of big church. And today, I, I really just want to talk about that idea of what is, if we're going big in church, what does that look like and what are we talking about? And I want to do so by telling you the story of the, the very first church service. Is that all right? That's good, because that's what's on my notes for today. So if you have your Bibles, uh, why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to read verses 13 to 18 from the NLT translation. It says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea and Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Why don't you bow your heads with me one more time and, uh, and let's pray. 
God, I thank you for, for these moments as we come together, as we make space for you. God, as we go big on, on the idea of you being big, as we seek to understand what you mean when, when you speak of big. God, I pray that, that our understanding, our comprehension, our, our expectation of you would increase today as we give you space. So we give you space to move, that you would do what we can't, that you would exceed our expectations, that you would meet us where we are. God, that today it wouldn't be my ideas or my words, but, but that you would speak, that your words would land in our hearts, would take root, would deliver fruit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, so here we have Jesus. He, he gathers his, his group of disciples, he gathers his followers together, and he asks them this question, who do people say that I am? In this moment, kind of we read in, the, the, in, in hindsight, right? We understand who Jesus was. We've seen the way that the story ends. We get that, that kind of zoomed out view. But, but for the disciples, for the followers of Jesus and the, the first recipients of these stories, this is kind of the, the, the climax of the story so far. Because the thought, the question in everyone's mind as Jesus is being Jesus is who is Jesus? Like, who is this guy? What is he doing? What is he about? What is he going to achieve? Is he going to achieve anything? Is he a rabbi? Is he a teacher? Is he a rebel? Is he going to bring uprising? Is he a prophet? Is God going to speak through him about some things that, that, that are going to happen? And this is exactly what, what people are saying. Some people are saying that he's Elijah. Some people are saying that he's Jeremiah. Some people are saying that he's John the Baptist. But, but Jesus, when he asks, Peter says, no, people are saying that you're a rebel. People are saying that you're a rabbi. People are saying that you're a prophet. But I think that you're more than all of that. I think that you're not just a rebel, a rabbi, or a prophet. I think that you're the Messiah. I think that you are the Son of God. I think that you are God in flesh come to earth to do something totally new. We've had rebels before. We've had rabbis before. We've had prophets before, and they've been good, but you are more than that. You're not just doing something that other people have done. You are doing something totally new. And Jesus says, you, you didn't just come by this, but God told you this. This is divine revelation, and on this divine revelation that Jesus is God in flesh, I'm going to build my church. On this rock, this revelation, I'm going to build my church. So when we talk about big church, we understand that, that, first of all, the church is built on the revelation that Jesus is God. That, that this is not just like a, a fun club for people that like singing songs and setting up stages and, and shaking each other's hands and drinking coffee, although we're not drinking coffee at the moment. So we're like, I'm not sure if I'm going to stay in the club if there's no more coffee at the moment. Like, I'm not sure, right? It's not just about that, but there's something more that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is God, come to earth to, to do what we could not, to bridge the gap between us and Christ. Sorry, us and God through Christ, right? That Jesus is God, come to us. So if that's the revelation, then Jesus says, on this revelation, I'll build my church. What is the church, right? We're in church. This is church, like the the building, the gathering, this thing that we do on the Sunday. But is that what Jesus meant when he said church? See, Jesus says church. He doesn't say the word church because Jesus didn't speak English. He was speaking in Greek, right? And, and he used the word ecclesia. And ecclesia means assembly, movement, or gathering. It's, it's focused on people. But when we read the word church, the, the word church didn't come from the word ecclesia. It's not a translation of the word ecclesia. It's a translation of the word Kirche. Now stay with me. I promise that this is interesting and that it makes sense, right? Kirche is a German word. And when the Bible was being translated from Greek into, into German and, and kind of as it was spreading throughout Europe and around about 300 AD as Christianity was spreading throughout the known world, 
the, the, the translators were like, oh, this, we don't have a word for this word ecclesia. Kirche is a word that they used in, in the, the Gothic and the, in the German kind of language at the time that meant a, a house of, of the gods, a, a holy, a ritual place. It wasn't Christian kind of leaning. It was just a, a word for a place in which you would come to, to meet with the gods. It was kind of like a word for, for temple. It was closer to that than, than anything else that kind of we have. And, and so they say, well, it's kind of like they're meeting with God in a place together. So it's kind of, it's a kind of a temple. So we'll call it a kirche. And, and from this word kirche, that's the root that, that we get the word church from. But it's interesting because this little translation has created a big shift in, in, in focus and in ideology. As you see on the screen behind me, that this word ecclesia, it, it focuses on a gathering of people. But this word kirche, by its very nature, focuses on a place of gathering. And you might be like, well, John, what, like, why does that matter? What's the difference? Well, one says that we are the church, that we are a people who be the church. And the other says that you go to church. The church is a place that you go and attend. The church is a function or a product that you go and consume. And that leads to dramatically different ways of, of being church. Right? And so if we're going big on church, what are we going big on? Ecclesia? Or Kircher, are we going big on, on places and buildings and shows, or are we going big on call and mission and people? See, so when Jesus says, upon this rock, upon this revelation, I will build my church, when he says it, he's saying ecclesia. He's saying, I will build, he's not talking about a place, but he's saying, I will build a, a people. Now, not too long after this, Jesus is crucified. And like I said, we know how it ends. We know that he doesn't stay dead. And so he comes back, and it's after his resurrection, he spends some time in his resurrected body with his followers. And, and just as his time is coming to an end, he gathers his followers, his disciples, together on a hillside, which is kind of it's like a classic Jesus move, right? Like, I have something to say. Come to my TED Talk on this hillside. It's going to be a good time. Come along. Maybe there'll be some free food. We'll see what happens, right? And so he gathers his disciples together on this hillside, and he says to them, I'm going to go soon. And, and, and they respond to him as, as he's giving them his, his final instructions in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. It says, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Because the, the disciples, they don't really understand this idea of the ecclesia, this idea of a, a multicultural, multi-ethnic movement of people on mission with call. Some of them still think that Jesus has come to restore the kingdom of Israel, to, to remove Roman occupation, to reestablish the Jewish people as a superpower on the world stage. And they're like, if you're going to do it at any time, surely after you've been killed by the Romans and come back from the dead, like now is the time to do it. We would be unstoppable if, you know, imagine someone kills me as we're battling and you're just like, bang, and I come back from the dead. Like, it's going to be a great army. We're going to be like living zombies. We're going to beat some Romans. It's going to be amazing. Like, let's do it now. And, and Jesus responds to them, the Father alone has the authority to set the dates and times, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, we don't know what they were thinking, but surely they heard that, especially the ones who wanted to, you know, take over. They're like, power? Well, power sounds good. Like, I can get on board with some, some power. How do we get this power? When's this, when's this power coming? I want to get some, some power. And so Jesus continues. He says, the Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness. Last Greek word for the day, I promise. But the, the Greek word here that Jesus uses is the word martis. And it, it's an interesting kind of aside that it's from this word martis that we get the word martyr. 
right? Because in the, in the early church, being a witness for God often meant dying for your faith. We won't preach into that anymore today. It's a whole different sermon, but just something to, to mull over as you're thinking about, uh, you know, what it takes to follow Jesus this week. But, but this word witness, this word martyrs, it basically means uh, what we would think of when we hear the word witness. It's, it's kind of that classic uh, idea of, of a witness in a court setting, someone who will appear before a court and who will testify to something, someone who will accurately represent a, an event. And so Jesus is saying, you will be my witness telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And again, we don't know what they thought, but we, we can imagine that, you know, here they are standing with this man who has been crucified by Rome, who the, the religious leaders hated. There are about a, a hundred of you. And, and he says, hey, look, here's what's going to happen. You're going to take this message of me. You're going to take my teaching. You're going to take the fact that you are eyewitnesses to my resurrection. And you're going to take this message, this truth as witnesses all over Jerusalem. Right, Jerusalem is where they are. It's where they've been gathered together. It's kind of the outside Jerusalem at this point, but it's central to their, their lives. Jerusalem is a bit of a home base for them. And so they're looking at each other, they're like, okay, we can do Jerusalem. Like Jerusalem, we can, there's some people that don't like us in Jerusalem, but we can go to Jerusalem and we can share this truth. We can, we can do that. We can tell some people in Jerusalem. And he's like, Judea, which is the wider area. He's like, oh, well, I mean, that's, that's bigger, but we can do Judea. That, that's, that's doable. He's like, Samaria. They're like, well, we don't like the Samaritans. Like, Jesus, you made us go there sometimes when you wanted to, to take, like, a shortcut. But we never wanted to go with you through Samaria. We don't want to, maybe Philip. Philip's the disciple that gets the short straw. They're like, we'll send Philip to the Samaritans, right? None of the rest of us like the Samaritans. We'll send Philip. So Philip will go to the Samaritans, but we'll go to Jerusalem, Judea. We get it. And then he says to the ends of the earth, to the rest of the world. I'm like, Jesus, time out. Like, do you realize how big the world is? There's only like a hundred of us. How are we going to get all throughout the entire world? That's, that's a big ask. To which Jesus could have been like, you have no idea. Like, you think the world is the Roman world. You think that it's just this little bit. The world is so much bigger. If you realize how big what I'm saying is, you would be much more overwhelmed than you are currently. Right? Who knows that sometimes it's good that Jesus doesn't show us the whole picture when he calls us at first. We're like, yeah, Roman world. Okay, that's overwhelming. Jesus is like, yeah, just you wait. It's much bigger than you think. Right? They would, their minds would melt. They would not be able to understand that there are people in Aotearoa, New Zealand, who have heard the gospel because of what started in this little town in Jerusalem. Right? And, and so Jesus shares this with them, says, this is, this is what you're going to do. This is, you're going to share my, my truth. You're going to be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world. And then Jesus leaves. So, so you got what you need to do? Good. Peace out. I'm done. Right? Like deuces. Have fun. He disappears. Well, I, guess we, I guess we wait for this power that he said was coming. And so they go to Jerusalem. And they start praying and they, they wait for, for this power that has been promised to them. 100, 120 people hiding out in Jerusalem because they're persecuted for believing in Jesus in the first place. And then about two weeks later, something amazing happens. Two weeks later is the, the Jewish celebration, the Jewish feast of, of Pentecost. And Pentecost was a celebration or festival where the Jewish people and converts to Judaism would, would gather together in the city of Jerusalem. It started as like a harvest feast and, and developed into something much bigger than that. It's, it's often called the Feast of Tents. And, and, and so we find out later in the book of Acts that there were Jewish people and converts to Judaism from over a dozen different regions of the world, all in Jerusalem. People from all over the known world gathered together in this space. And so we start to see that maybe something's going to happen, that, that here in Jerusalem, is, it's full of people from all over the world, and the followers of Jesus are in Jerusalem waiting for what Jesus has promised, right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, 
in all the world. And on the day of Pentecost, on the day of this feast, this celebration, the Holy Spirit, this promised power comes and fills them just as Jesus has said. And, and suddenly the, the followers of Jesus, they start speaking in other languages. They start speaking in, in languages of the people who had gathered in Jerusalem on that particular day for that particular festival from all around the known world. And they spill out of the room in which they were hiding out into the city. And they begin to talk to these people from all over the world. And they talk to these people in their native tongue and the language that they have from the place that they're from. And, and these people from all over the world who are celebrating this feast, they, they look at these people who are all predominantly from one small town in this, in this area called Galilee, and they say, how, how is it you can speak my language? You're a Galilean. You, you should never have learned how to speak my language. You've, you've never traveled to where I'm from. How do you know how to speak my, my tongue? And, and then they start to recognize other Galileans around the, the city square who are speaking to their friends who are from other parts of, of, of the world, speaking their language and like wait you can speak my language but over there she's speaking his language and, and how is it that you're able to do this and how are these Galileans able to speak our languages and then what is it that they're saying about this Jesus see it wasn't just how they were speaking it was what they were speaking about you're speaking in in my tongue and what should be impossible and you're speaking about what what seems to to be a truth that turns the world upside down that the thing that we've all been waiting for, this Messiah has come and is here and there's something that we can be a part of. And it's in this moment that Peter stands up, right? Peter who received the revelation that, that Jesus is the Son of God and he preaches the first ever sermon. It's the first church service. And he says, and this is a Jono paraphrase, that you all know who Jesus is. Right, some of you were here and you saw him preach and teach. Some of you, he came to, to your cities and to your town. Some of you, your friends and your family have, have met him. Some of you even saw him on the cross, saw him crucified. I'm here to say that what you're seeing and hearing with this miraculous language is with people speaking in tongues that they shouldn't be able to is God at work. I'm here to say to you that God is at work to let you know that Jesus was not just a rabbi, that Jesus was not just a rebel, that Jesus was not just a prophet, but that Jesus was the Messiah, was God with flesh on, come to us, that he died, that he was crucified by Rome, but that he did not stay dead, but he came back to life on the third day. And we saw him. We saw him die, and we saw the empty grave, and we saw him resurrected. We are his witnesses. We're going to tell you that things have changed, that, that God is doing something. That what we have been waiting for as a people for years, for hundreds of years, is coming to pass now. And Peter's words pierce the hearts of the people listening. And maybe there are some in the crowd who hear this and they were the ones trying to crucify him. Maybe there are some in the crowd and they'd always meant to go and hear Jesus talk, but they never quite got around to it. And they're hearing about this and they say, what can we do? What should we do to be a part of this? How can we be a part of, of what's going on? And Peter says, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Just as the band comes up, the very next thing that, that happens, I'm almost done, is in response to this truth, in response to the gospel that, that Jesus was not just a rabbi, a rebel, or a prophet, but the Son of God come to earth to bridge the gap, to mend the divide between God and man, to, to do what the Jewish people had been dreaming about for centuries. In response to the invitation to be baptized, to, to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, to, to come into this new way of being. And, 
I won't go into baptism, but it was a Jewish rite, and they were kind of establishing a new identity that in this moment, 3,000 people chose to be baptized. 3,000 people said, I want to be a part of what, what Jesus is doing. Can you imagine how long that would have taken? Right, There's like 100, 120 people baptizing 3,000 people. For days and days, the disciples would have been in the Jordan River and probably every body of water that they could access just baptizing people. Like, do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I do. In the power of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I baptize you. Right? They probably didn't have that complex of theology at that time, but they're like, you, you, you want to be in on this, on what Jesus has, has done and what God is doing? They're like, yes. All right. Next. Next. Not that it was an impersonal kind of conveyor belt moment, but in that it was a transformational moment for the city of Jerusalem. Ancient cities were not the size of the cities that we have now. 3,000 people would have been a significant proportion of the population. And it wasn't just people who lived in Jerusalem. It was people from all around the known world who came and found faith and went out back to the known world. See, what Jesus had called the disciples to do that initially seemed impossible, all of a sudden was underway. All of a sudden, this big call had big momentum. There was a big impact. See, from the very beginning, the church has been big. Maybe not big in the way that we think of it, but, but big things happened. It had big momentum because the message has always been big. See, when we talk about big, we're not trying to come up with some fancy new way of doing church. We're not trying to come up with some, some snazzy marketing to get you on board with, a, with an idea. We're simply trying to go back to the basis of what the church has always been. The very first church service started big. 3,000 people coming to faith. Not, not a big building. Not a big show. Not impersonal and cold and consumeristic. Not a product to be taken in. This is not the kirche, it's the ecclesia. But a big people with a, a big realization, with a big impact, finding a big mission, a big call, because we serve a big Savior, encountering a big Jesus. And I wanna say, if that takes big buildings and, and big shows to share our big message, and I think that's all right, but let's never get the, the things backwards. Let's never think that it's about a big show or about a big building when it's not. Those are only means to an end. And if they get in the way of us seeing the why, then we need to adjust something. If we get distracted in the season as we can't gather together, maybe in the way that we're used to thinking, oh, well, maybe the church can't do anything if we can't be in big gatherings and big amounts of people doing big shows. Maybe the church is just gonna be on hold for a while. The church is not on hold because the church is not the big building. The church is not the big show. The church is a big people, big inside, hopefully big in number because we wanna see as many come to a saving faith in Jesus, experiencing something of heaven on earth in their day-to-day -day lives, but, but ultimately not just big in number, but primarily big in heart, big in call, big in faith, big in conviction, big on mission because we serve a big God. See, I wonder, maybe you're here today and. I think all of us, no matter where we're at, can respond to this message in some way, shape, or form. Maybe you're here and you're saying, man, I realize that I, I need to stop thinking about going to church and start thinking about being the church. Church is not a place I go. Church is not a function that I attend. Church is something that I'm a part of. I am the church. We are a body. We are a living people. We are a building as in we are built together, not the building we occupy. 
Maybe you're here today and, and, and you're on team. Maybe you helped put this together. You put up the screen, you mix the sound, you're on the band, you've been hosting, you've been serving in kids and, and now you're in this service. And you realize, man, I was, I was thinking about what I was doing as a thing to accomplish. I was thinking about church as a place, as a task, as jobs. And all of the things that we do are good, but we don't do them because we're, they're good. We do them for the why behind them, to create space for people to encounter the why. If we do the what without the why, then we shouldn't do the what at all. We need to look at something bigger, at a call, at a mission. And, and maybe you've been, oh, I've realized I've just fallen into that space of just doing church and I can be the church. This can be bigger, this can be better. Maybe you're here today and, and you're not on team and you're realizing, oh, I've just been by default attending church and as a result, just, just doing church, just coming to church. I can do more than that. I can be a part of church. I can contribute. I can plant myself. And I'm not gonna be a consumer of this. I'm gonna be involved in some way, not for what I can do, but for why I can do it. I wanna say, you know, ultimately, we want people involved only because it makes you involved in church. It makes you invested in church. It makes you feel like you, it helps you to go from coming to church to being to church. That's the only reason we want you involved. But I also wanna say, holding that intention that what you do matters. That whether you're involved or not is, is not like, a, oh, well, it doesn't matter if I help out or not. It, I, it's just, I'm, I'm only hurting myself if I decide that I won't wanna be the church. Primarily, yes, right? Like it's only really you. But there are other people that we're not creating space for if we're not being the church, if we're not getting involved, if we're not doing what we can do, especially at the moment. Right in these COVID times, we're having to run basically twice as big teams as we usually do because of people having to cancel last minute and we wanna make sure that we're safe and that no one feels that they have to come into church if they're not feeling well. And, and so there's a bunch of things that we're doing with wiping things down and scanning people in and, and all the rest of it that we just don't usually do. And that takes people. And so, and so there are things that you can lend your weight to that we want you to serve, not because there's a job to be done, but, but because we're being the church. But ultimately, I also wanna say that when you pitch in, it helps. It helps us share the message to others that the church could grow, that we could be a bigger group of people reaching more people because we are the church on big mission to help us to go big for others, to create space for others. Finally, maybe you're hearing this and then regardless of whether you're on team or not, that's not the purpose of this message you're realizing that I've been thinking of the church as a place that I go, as a thing that's done for me. I come to church and I, I get encouraged. Or I bring my, per, my friend to church and, and hopefully they hear the gospel and then I go about my, my week and then I go to church. I wanna encourage you that you are the church, that everywhere you go, that everything you do, you take the church with you. That when you go to work, that, that when you hang out with your family, that when you're at school, the church is there. The church is present. The mission does not stop. It is not just a Sunday thing, but we continue to advance. And I believe that we need to get that truth planted in our souls in these coming days as, as maybe we won't be able to meet like this on a Sunday for some time. Who knows what's gonna happen? But if that happens, we don't want the mission, the call, the purpose to stop advancing because Sunday gatherings stop. What would it look like for the church to continue to be the church just in a different expression for a moment in time? I believe Sundays are essential. As we gather together, we're encouraged and we always wanna, wanna honor the space as we build our faith together, as we come together, as we encourage one another. But it's not the only way, it's the best way, I believe, but it's not the only way that we can do things. 
So what does it look like to take on the truth that I am the church, that the church will continue to progress in this season? The church has always had momentum. From their very first day, 3,000 people. In a moment, not just in Jerusalem, not just in Judea, not just in Samaria, but in all of the known world. From there they went out and the church spread like wildfire. Nothing has ever spread so quickly because the truth catches. So what I'd love to do just as we finish today is is I wanna pray two prayers. The first is a prayer for us, that wherever we're at today, we would see ourselves as a church. We would see the role that we can play, the, the place in which we can belong. The church is not just something that we go to, but something that we contribute to that we belong in the church, that we are the church, that we are the ecclesia, a body of people, and that you matter, that it's not just about a building, but it's about a people. And then finally, I'd love to pray for those of us who are here today who would say, I don't feel like I belong in the church because you're united around a belief in Jesus and I've never seized the opportunity to, to respond, to ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. We don't wanna finish any service without having a moment to respond and say, Jesus, I, I wanna trust you with my life. Church, if you could stand to your feet. Just heads are bowed, his eyes are closed. I would love to, first of all, like I said, pray a prayer of blessing over us. As we stand here, I don't know how you see yourself in relation to church, but I want to pray a prayer that, that you would see yourself as the church, that we would be the church. That maybe you've got hurt, maybe you've got history, maybe you've got barriers, and, and all of that I respect and I see, but that ultimately it would not be a barrier that stops you from the thing that can bring you life support, and I believe satisfaction. It's about as eyes are closed. God, I thank you for every person gathered here today. I thank you for those who are joining us online, maybe those who are, are watching during the week. God, I thank you that we are the church. No matter where we are, be it in the same room or, or spread out throughout the city, throughout this nation, that, that we are your people united by a common belief in you. And God, help us to go from today with the belief, with the, with the knowledge, with the trust that we are your people. That church is not a place that we go, church is not a thing that we do, but church is a person that we are, a people that we belong to. A multi-ethnic, multicultural movement of people with momentum doing something powerful. That in this current moment in, in time, as, as the world is anxious, as we wonder about, about things at home, about things abroad, that, that everyone needs to, to, to encounter the truth that we have. That there is something beyond us. There is something more than us. That there is a God who loves them. God, help us to be your people, to share your truth. Where we might feel disconnected, help us to be bold enough to take a step of connection. Where we might feel hurt, Help us to be brave enough to to step back up, possibly get hurt again, but trust that you are at work in this, to be vulnerable, to be open, to be knit into the people that you've called us to belong to. His heads remain bowed, his eyes remain closed. If you're here today and you would say, Jono, I, I can relate to what you're saying about wanting to be united by the belief that unites this people. If you're honest with yourself, you've been your own savior. What I mean by that is, is when things get hard, you're God. You're the one that it ends with. You're the one that you turn to. You're the one that you rely on. You're in that throne in your life. You are the one who has to keep the stars in the sky and the earth spinning. I wanna tell you that's not the way that it needs to be. That you are loved beyond measure. That you are highly favored, not for anything that you've done or could do, but simply because Jesus loves you. 
that we're not earning anything, but we're receiving what He has already freely given. And if you're here today and you would say, I know that I haven't received what He wants to give me, or I know that I have, but at some stage I've walked away and I want to recommit my life. Today is a day of salvation for you. Today is a day of trusting Jesus, of becoming a part of a body of people united in a hope in a world defined by fear. So if you're here today and you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to say, today I start following after you. As heads are bowed, as eyes are closed in a moment, I want you to raise your hand just simply to let me know that you're praying this prayer with me, that this is your moment of decision. Heads are bowed, as eyes are closed. If that's you here today, would you raise your hand in three, two, one. Awesome, I see that hand, I see that hand. I see that hand, I see that hand. Come on, I see that hand. Come on, church, I don't want to belabor this moment, but I believe this is a significant moment for us here today. As we are a people who turn towards God, who say, I want to be a part of what you're doing. If you raised your hand today, I want to say that this is the start of the most important journey of your life. And as a church, we are here to support you in it. We're championing you every step of the way. We have your back and we want to be with you. But would you pray these words with me, everyone, whether you raised your hand or not? If you raised your hand, I want you to to pray these words. And it's coming from my mouth, you're repeating it, but it's your prayer. Let it be between you and God. Jesus, today I choose to follow you. I know I've asked other things to be what only you can be. But today I choose to trust you instead above all other things. I'm sorry for the ways in which I've asked other things to be you. But today, I choose to follow you. I love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. 